Hi, this is Derek from Atlanta. Unlike Bob, I am a former law enforcement officer, but I still enjoy listening to a practical show by a practical guy. You're listening to the Handgun World Podcast. Hello, everybody. I'm Bob Main. Welcome to another episode of the Handgun World Podcast, a practical show done by a very practical guy. That's me, your host, Bob Main. So um, this week, I have another guest. He's waiting patiently. And my series, which is called What Do You Carry and Why? In other words, what carry gun do you use and why? It's become a very popular series. I got people sending me, you know, emails left and right saying, hey, I love it. I love it. So I like to get listeners on here that are just, most of them are everyday people just like me. And today I'm joined by David Hansen, and he's not too far away. Um, He's down here in South Texas, not far from me. David, welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. Glad being here. Well, I... I don't get a chance to meet very many listeners. I'm only meeting you right now on video, hopefully in person one day, but this is a treat for me. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Treat for me as well, too. Whole new experience. Yeah. Don't worry. It'll be a good one. So, uh, let's get started. David, what do you carry and why? So, what I carry is this guy here. I'm not sure how that shows up in the video. Shows up fine. 1911. So it's a 1911. Specifically, it's a lightweight commander, ah. which means it has the aluminum frame. For those who don't know, they're 1911s because more and more common these days. Uh-huh. And it has a four and a quarter inch barrel, and it's chambered in nine millimeter. And um, it's interesting because the commander was originally issued as an aluminum frame nine millimeter way back in the 50s. Not issued, but came out as. Mm-hmm. but nobody could get them to run forever. And then probably the single most important thing is Bill Wilson broke the code with magazines. Yes, he did. And at that point, people started going, hey, wait a minute. You know, there might be something more to this. So I know I'm an old guy and I got a 1911, but it. <laughs> I grew up, I, I, I pulled my first trigger when I was four years old. Wow. And I grew up from a little guy reading Jeff Cooper. So by the time okay. so by the time I was like old enough to be into guns, which in Arizona at that time was like eighteen, I had a Smith forty five oh six for a year and then I moved over to a nineteen eleven and I carried a nineteen eleven religiously for a very long time. But I got sick and tired of putting gunsmith's kids through college. And I got rid of the 1911. That's a good I way had, to put it. <laughs> oh, it was horrible. I mean, I owned... People were like, well, I mean, how many 1911s did you have? I'm like, well, like 25, 28, something like that. And oh they all goodness. needed to work. Right? Oh, and man. Some of it I could do myself, and most of it I couldn't. And uh, I carried a burning high power a lot. But I, I also... I was fortunate to grow up at the time in that it was the transition between revolvers and autos. So I was carrying Smith and Wesson revolvers, Ruger revolvers. I didn't land on any single thing. I really tried hand on the Bible, 
to like the Glock 19. I've owned more Glock 19s than anything else, other than 1911s, because it is really it is the perfect gun. But I just and I have one sitting in the safe. Yeah. I, I use it in the summertime when I swell over it. Yeah. But the 1911 uh, in nine millimeters started to get a lot of traction. I was like, you know what? What I wanted was a Jason Burton heirloom precision 1911. His stuff is like insanely expensive. And he lived in the same town I did at the time. And I was like, that's just not going to happen realistically. But right. rather than spending a bunch of money on some other brand, I'm like, I'm just going to either a Wilson or a Nighthawk. I like the feels of the Nighthawks a little bit better. Order it from them. And this, and the, it's only got a couple things that I, I spec'd out differently. So yours is a Nighthawk? Yeah, it's a Nighthawk. Oh, a, Night, a Nighthawk 9mm 1911. Beautiful. Yep. That's a nice gun. Thank you. That's nice. It, and it has, it has never failed, never bobbled on me. And um, it is probably the only gun in my safe that has not been modified to some extent or another. You don't need to. No, they did it for me. Yeah, you don't need to. I mean, those guns are beautiful and very well designed. Yeah, and I and I like the 1911-1. I just have so much experience with it. All right, it's probably the only gun other than the Smith K-frame revolver that I can detail strip easily. Um, and with that sliding trigger, it just it's so easy to make the hits. Yeah, like it's not an excuse not to go to the range. But if you can't make it to the range, it's more forgiving on the shooter. I yeah. And so so how many rounds does that hold? Ten plus one. Ten plus one. So you're using probably Wilson Combat Magazines, right? I am. Now, I've never had a problem. In all honesty, I've never had a problem with the Nighthawk mags. Mm-hmm. But I use a carry and primarily use the Wilson mags. Ten yeah, plus one. Just... So so you got a nice eleven round gun. That aluminum frame, yeah. that aluminum frame nine millimeter nineteen eleven. About how much does that weigh? You know? Oh wow! Uh, what's the regular one? I bet it's less than thirty ounces, probably. I, I think it's right in there. It might be twenty six thirty. Yeah. I was just actually looking it up the other day. I, th- I want to say just, yeah, a hair under 30. So it's not too heavy to carry ounces. then? No, it's not. And and let me preface this by saying nobody has the right to tell anybody else how many rounds they should or can have in a gun. <laughs> yeah. For true. myself, 10 plus 1, I feel fine with it. Yeah. I do carry a spare mag. I know the odds of needing it are like between zero and nothing. But carry it anyway. Carry it anyways. It's it's lightweight insurance, and it's also a spare. It goes back to my 1911 45 days. It's spare feed insurance. Now, that's a good way to feed. put it. Spare. Well, and like I've mentioned many times on this show, it's for clearing malfunctions and putting in a new magazine. That's exactly. what that's mostly for. Um, yep. The chances of you having to use a new magazine because you had a malfunction, that's a far greater chance than needing more than the 11 rounds to win the fight. Yes. Far greater chance. And and honestly, how many of us are good enough to win a fight that needs 11 rounds? I, I was never in a SWAT team. I was never in the military. Like, if I get through more than... I mean, I'm pretty fast on the trigger, but if I get more than four or five rounds down range, something's gone horribly wrong. I mean, it's horribly wrong if you use it anyways. But Well, the, the statistics show for civilian defensive gun uses, 
the statistics show it's it's a three to six round affair, and then it's you know ninety nine percent of the time over by then. Yep. And so, you know, I love the Glock nineteen also, and I still carry the Glock. Well, I carry a a derivative of it now. I carry the the Shadow Systems version of a Glock nineteen, but I had a Glock nineteen and I carried it for years and years and years. I felt comfortable having the 16 rounds, but it got to a point where I didn't think I needed a gun that big for my use. I, I totally understand. And you, I will plug you, Shadow Systems, you've got me thinking about adding one of their guns to my collection. Yeah. Because they they are very nice guns. Well, they are uh, a highly modified Glock. I mean, they probably would be upset, and if they're if they're watching this, they probably are going to get mad at me now or listening to this for calling them a, a fancy Glock. <laughs> but really, if you take apart one of the Shadow Systems guns, it is extremely similar to a fourth generation Glock. And but they, they have, have perfected a, it. They, they've pretty much alluded to it being a fourth generation Glock yeah. derivative, and, it, and it's you know. And like with Zev, you're paying for they're beautiful guns, but yeah. you are paying for the aesthetic. Well, you're and with Shadow you Systems, know. you're paying for more functionality. Which you know, yeah. I learned. I learned once, and, and I want to talk more about what you carry. But I learned that I calculated how much money I put into one of my Glock 19s, and it was about sixteen hundred dollars total. Yeah. I did that over about five years. Over about five years, I spent between 1500 and 1600 modifying the thing. And I bought a Shadow Systems MR920 a year and a half ago for like 829 for about half the price. And it was basically a same or even better gun than my nicely modified Glock 19. Yep. So that's why I say that. But today... Today, it's the uh, P365 for me. And this is a P365X with 12 rounds in in the mag and 12 plus 1 in the chamber. I'm comfortable. Yeah. You know, I shot the 365 when they first came out, and I thought, there's a lot of potential there. They didn't have the different sizes at the time. One thing, one big thing for me and, and my friends here at Ad Nauseam is that Make sure you can drive the gun, right? There's aiming and moving, which is kind of like imagine taking a minivan to Lowe's. And then there's driving the gun, which is taking a Ferrari through the hill country. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I need to be able to make that gun do what I need it to do when I need to exactly, do it. Exactly. That is, I, David, I'm glad you made that point. So what do you like most about your Nighthawk 9mm, especially as it relates to driving the gun? Um, Obviously, the feel is very familiar, right? But it's large enough for me to get a good purchase on without being overly sized. Um, I have used uh, and continue to use to a certain amount both Berettas and SIGs. And... Sometimes I wonder if the engineers were shooters or just engineers because those are really big guns. And heavy and, uh, and kind of clunky. Yeah, kind of clunky. Sorry, my uh, text thing went off. That's okay. Um, 
the 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 nineteen eleven is very thin. It's a very svelte gun, especially in, when you consider a forty five. But when they back the barrel off, it changes the balance. But then you bring the balance back to where it needs to be with the aluminum frame. So it just it's it's a great feeling gun, even better than a steel frame. Now the steel frame is going to recoil less, which may or may not be an issue with nine millimeter. Nine millimeters, not much recoil anyway. No, it's just the energy to. You don't want the frame soaking up so much energy that it fails to cycle the slide because then you got to deal with different spring rates and whatnot. So, what exactly do you mean by driving the gun? So, I need to get a I need to get a purchase on it. I need to bring it out uh, and either kept the low ready or onto a target, depending on what the situation is. Uh, do I need to move from multiple targets? Do I need to move through a crowded room? Do I need to move through an empty house or a house that's supposed to be empty? And my family may or may not be up when I don't, don't know it. I need that gun to be in exactly the position that I need it to be in with me hardly even thinking about it. There you go. And, and yeah, that takes familiarity with the gun. I mean, you're not going to pick up a strange gun. I'm not going to pick up your SIG and have that ability that you do, right? But I need something that fills the hand. A lot of these these tiny little guns, and I spent a lot of time with J-Frames, I'm like, mm-hmm. they work, and you can do stuff with them, but there's just not enough there. There's not. You're right. The smaller guns, there's <laughs> not. They're, they're, they're harder to shoot. They are much harder to shoot. And they're, and they're harder to just drive between targets or pull back off target, which is just as important as driving on target. Um, and I, I think, and there are times for compromises, as you well know. Sometimes it's like, listen, I can either go unarmed or carry a really tiny gun. I'm okay, I'll carry a really tiny gun. Sometimes I do that too. You know, but those are the what's important. You know, what's important, most important at the moment. Yeah. So, and I, I went with nine instead of 45 and that I'm getting older, got arthritis. Most of my guns are in nine millimeter these days. Uh, even Cooper said, you know, the best thing about nine millimeters, the guns are chambered for. And, um, and I have a ton of the federal nine BPLE hollow points. So that's it's that's an old round, but it still works extremely well. It's extremely accurate. It feeds and everything. And when you're trying to, you know, put the gun and you know, load the gun in the office and by the bed and in your wife's hand and yeah. your own on your belt, preferably with the same stuff. Something that's designed to feed is good. And I would imagine that you can buy nine millimeter ammo. Uh, in larger bulk and less money than forty-five, right? Oh, way, yeah, way, way, way. way. Yeah, it's like forty-five. I haven't priced forty-five lately because I hardly shoot it anymore. I but either. I think it's what what fifty percent more. Yeah, it's, it's a huge, huge markup. Yeah, or not markup, but just yeah, much more. So you can drive the gun well with your with your Nighthawk nine millimeter. Yes, good, and that's and that's important, you know. You have to be able to perform when the flag goes up. And, yep. you know, it's not something that we want to do. It's not something that we look forward to doing or we wake up wanting to do. 
but we're ready. And if it happens, if the stink goes down and you're being attacked and somebody somebody's trying to kill you or a loved one, you got to be able to perform with what you're carrying. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the thing about I'm fine with 10 plus one as a civilian because my main goal is to never have a contact or break contact if I get into one. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not a police officer or a soldier who has to go hunt down the this, this stuff. No. Hopefully I'm never in that position. Right. No. If I am, I'm going to, you know, have something probably with a lot more rounds to it, but I have the, have the, the luxury of 10 plus one. Um, it's, I wear a mill sparks inside the waistband summer special. Ah, that's uh, what I was going to ask. Yeah, it's been a. I've used their stuff for years and years and years, and I carry a spare mag in a, in a Mitch Rosin uh, spear offside, which has the flashlight in the back and the spare mag in the front. Excellent. the 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 summer special that again that's made by Miltsparks. Yep. Yes. Sir. Yeah, that's a boy. That thing's been an old standard, been around a long time. I bet it works oh. well. Bruce Nelson invented it back what in the sixties, early seventies. Yeah. I'm I may switch to a JM custom Kydex inside the waistband. Um, they're thin and they work. So, honestly, they work so well. Don't tell Milk Sparks because <laughs> I don't want to break anybody's heart. I love good leather, but th- those sometimes if you get a really good custom, uh, not custom, but a really good uh, Kydex holster, they You're right. They're just so good. It's it's impossible to ignore. Well, they are. I have a question, and then I want to. I'm going to let you go on the video portion of this, but we're going to continue this podcast sure. for those who tune in uh, on the audio. And by the way, just to to let the listeners and, and viewers know, uh, you if you're a viewer, you're watching me on YouTube right now. But you can go to handgunworld.com. You can subscribe to this audio podcast that I do almost once a week. Uh, anywhere you get podcasts, it'll be on there. So find me. And uh, I like what you just said about Kydex holsters. This is my most carried holster. This is my, can you see this? Mm-hmm. Yep. This is yeah. my outside the waistband, outside the waistband made by Concealment Solutions. And when I drop this SIG in there, uh, it just, it hides perfectly. And I got 13 rounds, and I, I can't, I don't feel uncomfortable with 13 rounds in this little gun. No. And you feel I, comfortable with 10 plus one, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I think the, one, of the, one of the things to watch on the, the smaller guns is, are you getting enough velocity for your hollow point to open? Great point. Great point. David, with that. With that, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to tease the the viewers a little bit. I'm going to go ahead and shut off the video. But we're going to talk about velocity in the audio podcast. And that is a great, that's a great point. So for everybody watching this on YouTube, thank you very much. Subscribe to this channel. Like this video. uh, Drop some comments in it. Uh, I appreciate you watching. And uh, get subscribed to the audio podcast. So, uh... I'm Bob Main, and this video is out. Okay, the recordings stopped on it, on the video. So let's talk about velocity. Uh, we're, right. we're, we're strictly audio now. 
What do you think about velocity in the short barrel guns like this? You know, there's a very vocal component on the internet right now that just says velocity doesn't matter at all. And I think the body is so varied and there are so many variations on the body that it's impossible to quantify what velocity is going to do when in somebody's body. Just you take the same person on meth or straight or whatnot, but all you can do is hope that the hollow point opens because a lot actually don't in street in actual street. Uh, Many of them don't. I use, see if the, well, I'm not on camera anymore, but I'll show you. These are federal HST. Yeah. 124 grain. And, uh, I, I'm confident with these. And, and I would be too. If somebody says, listen, I'm taking your, your stock of the, the plus B plus and, uh, you know, we're replacing it with HSTs or gold dots or, I mean, I think I'm not sure that the 124 plus B gold dot is the most issued ammo right now, but it might if be. it isn't, it's close. It might be. Right. So how much velocity do you think is necessary? Net, well, necessary is enough to open up the hollow point early. and But without, you have to, there's a balance there, right? So it's like the hollow point needs to open. And what the opening of that hollow point may or may not do remains in question. But you still need to drive deep enough to hit the vitals and do something to the vitals when they get there. Even if the hollow point doesn't open, then basically it's the same as a 9mm ball round, right? Yeah. So you, so my, my philosophy is... Why I like to carry nine millimeter? Because I got to tell you, I had I had two Kimber 45 1911s back yep. in the day when I first started concealed carrying and shooting. Um, my philosophy is I can hit them more often, faster, and put more rounds in them with the nine millimeter. That has certainly turned to be the case as I've gotten older. When I was a young guy, I could shoot the 45 better than I could the nine, but I don't have the strength that. I did when I was 25, right? I don't either. Who does? So, um, you know, absolutely. And it's old FBI protocol is, you know, shoot them until they're on the ground. And then if they're still moving, shoot them again. I mean, I, people may not want to hear that, but that's, that's how you shoot them until they stop. Shoot them until they stop. stop. Uh, and if you they were want right. to run away, I'm more than happy without firing a shot. Uh, if they want to run away, I'm happy too. I'll stop. My finger will be off that trigger as soon as they start running away. But they got to leave me yeah. alone. They got to stop doing what they were doing. And my my philosophy is yes. shoot them until they stop, whatever it takes. Yes. Yeah. And um, I mean, it's it's really it's an ugly business. Yeah. But um, there are people out there who I think it was the late William April who we lost too soon. The terrible. If, if there's such a, such a thing as too soon, but yeah, it, we really lost a great mind there. And he said, there are people who wake up and say, I'm going to kill somebody because it's Tuesday. And what's if you're the person they come across? You know, that is so true. I regret, I had two chances to go to Dr. April's lectures when I went to Rangemaster Tactical Conference. I went there twice. Oh, nice. And yeah. I, I didn't go to Dr. <clears throat> April's. And, 
you know, at the time, I didn't know really much about him and who he was. The more I learned about him, uh, I just, I regret not going. But he's got plenty of good videos out there, too. He does, and I, and I never met him. I never attended his classes. But any time I'd see his name pop up on a podcast or an article or something, man, I'd just be drawn right into it and just hang on every word. The guy was a genius, and I would send, you know, he'd he'd, he'd post horror stories, for lack of a better word, and I would send them to some of my friends. I'm like, this is why you have a gun in the house or carry a gun. Exactly. Because this sort of thing actually does happen. It actually happens. And people are like, no, that's not real. It's not going to happen to me. I'm like, that's what the guy who got burned alive said the morning he woke up, if he thought about it at all. You know, know, have you ever noticed that when people who have been in a defensive shooting, when they've used their gun to save their life, when they are interviewed in the aftermath, one of the most common responses they gave was, I never thought it would happen to me. Yep. That's what they say. When I never thought it would... Home invasions. When people use a gun to to defend themselves. I never thought this would happen to me. I was... uh, Well, unfortunate, unfortunate. There was a... uh, So I got my first... So I I shot first when I was 20... When I was four. told you that. I got my first gun when I was 12. It was a Ruger 10-22. Still have it. Love 10-22s. I got a ton of them. (laughs) And some, we lived in Arkansas and some guys, some really bad guys broke out of prison nearby. My dad said, you know, I think you better load your rifle and have it handy. I'm like, well, that's even, even, even at that point in my life, I was like, that's kind of an unusual thing to tell a 12 year old, but, uh, okay. And, uh, but the fact is if you're, uh, who's the photographer Volk? He says, you know, if your kids are old enough to be left alone, they need to know how to defend themselves. Absolutely. Well, and not only the kids, but any adult, um, if they are alone, they need to learn how to use a gun, how to defend themselves. Because if they're alone and something happens, you know, that's it. I mean, that's it. Yeah, you're there's and usually there's no second chance. So, um, you need nope. to you need to have that ability, and even if you're not alone, uh, today's today's criminals, like Dr. April said, they're different than 25 years ago. They are. So I was 12 or 13, and uh, this is it's just kind of that whole "it can't happen to me" inoculation story. And I was alone, home alone with my sister, who's two years younger than I was, two and a half. You were how old? Little girl. I'm sorry? How old were you? I was about 12 or 13. So I'm walking past the front door, and I see the handle. And we're home alone. Parents are out. One of the rare times that they would go out. They would would never leave us alone. We didn't have a lot of money. But they had gone out, I think it was for the anniversary. And I walk past the front door, and I look at it, and I see it jiggling. I realize somebody's trying to pick the lock and get in the house. And immediately my mind goes, I got a loaded 22 in my room, my dad's 12 gauge in the closet. And it didn't take me more than a split second to go, I'm going for the 12 gauge. Because I'd rarely get into a gunfight with a 12 gauge and a 22 any day of the week. Now, you got to understand, I was in the very old 
school Scandinavian home, and if I touched a gun without my dad knowing about it, I was like, they were going to find my body back in the woods someplace, <laughs> right? So I grabbed, and he he kept his thirty eight loaded for home defense. He didn't keep the 12, shotgun loaded. I don't know why I didn't grab the thirty eight. Probably because I hated the gun. The old police positive kicked like crazy. And I grabbed the shotgun, and I was stuffing shells into it, running through the house, out the side door and around to the front. And, yeah, there was a guy who leaned over, fiddling with the front door. Wow. And I racked it. And I didn't rack it because I was trying to scare him. I racked it because that's just where I was in the loading process. Right, yeah. Okay, but he heard that. He looked up, and he just saw a shadow of somebody with a big gun. Yeah. And he took off. He bolted. He was gone. He bolted, and he was gone. And I ran back inside the house. I was unloading the thing. I was putting the shells back. I was putting the gun back. My sister had no idea what happened. I didn't tell my dad about that story until probably a year before he died. And he died when he was like 78. He goes, you what? I said, yeah. I said, I got your shotgun out of the closet, and I scared this burglar away when I was like, 13 and he just laughed <laughs> but like i'm doing now <laughs> yeah but i'm like it got but what it got to me was this stuff is real it I, is, i've been yeah. reading these magazines you know i've been studying i was i was kind of teaching myself pistol craft from the time i was about seven or eight just from the magazines i'd read and yeah. when we'd go to the range and uh my dad was a minor gun guy, not a major gun guy, but he had a few guns and, and he'd go uh, whenever I could beg, borrow or steal some ammo, we'd go out to the range. So, but that was like the whole, at, at that point, you know, I was pretty, for a little kid, I was kind of serious. I knew my stuff, but at that point it was like, man, sometimes all the marbles can be on the table. Yes, they are. And when the marbles are on the table, you better you better have a plan. You better have, you a, better plan. have a plan. It, you know, back when you were 13, you had a plan. You knew that there were two guns in the house that were readily accessible to you. And, yeah. And I got to say something. I got to say something. So all the naysayers out there, all the anti-gun people that that say people shouldn't have guns in the house and blah, 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 and it's not safe for kids and da, 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 da. You don't want to have a loaded handgun laying around where kids can get it. I agree with that 100%. There's no question. But when someone's 13, like you were, I think it's prudent to teach them, first of all, gun safety, but teach them where where is it that they can go to get something to defend themselves. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely, and and I know that's not politically correct anymore. But again, if you're old enough to be left alone, it's like, yeah. listen, you know how to call nine one for the fire department. That's nice. Police wouldn't have arrived in time. No. And you know, a thirteen year old, I could be scrappy, but I'm not going to take on a full grown man. This was a full grown man. Yeah. So. You know, and the what, cops would, would not have parents, gotten there. No. And what would my parents have come home to? A dead son and a raped and dead daughter. Yep. Yeah. That's the reality of it. People are, well, that's that's gruesome. Why would you think like that? I'm like, I don't think like that. They think like that. I'm just recognizing what they think like. Yeah. Now, now you're right. Now here's what 
Let's talk about that. This guy that was trying to get into your house, likely, I'm going to take a wild guess here. He mm-hmm. likely was probably just trying to make a burglary. Just probably trying to get in and get some stuff and get out, you think? I've wondered about that. And I've gone back and forth because, like I said, my parents hardly ever left. Mm-hmm. And we had multiple vehicles. He probably knew they were gone, too. car. He may have known they were gone. Was it one person gone, both people gone? Or was he watching the house waiting to get in? Um, you were never able to, to watch identify him? No, there's no way. And, I, and again, I touched a gun I wasn't supposed to touch. I didn't tell anybody. No, but you had a gun that you could have touched or you were supposed I to touch. I could have. Yeah. yeah. But the thing and is, I could have said I had that. But the yeah. good thing I like about this, the good thing I like about this, somebody taught you some responsibility and respect for firearms. Oh, it, my dad. You know, for for not being a gun guy, yeah, he he gave me the first use of force lecture I'd ever had when he said keep the gun loaded, and it was still one. And I will still say at my age, which is fifty one, that it is still one of the best I've ever gotten out of all the courses I've taken. Um, and he was a range safety Nazi, which I've inherited, which I don't think, okay, Nazis, we don't like the word Nazi, but in this application, it's a good thing. It's an analogy. It's an analogy. Right. So, um, and people say, you know, I, Hey, I'd like to go shooting with you. I'm like, okay, here are the four rules. You can recite them to me without looking at paper. I'll take you out shooting. I've had one person do that my entire life. Really? Wow. Yep. Wow. Now that's yeah. a shame. That's a shame. It is. You know, if it's a more of a controlled environment, like an indoor range, and it's like we're going to do this one at a time, okay. But if they say well, we're going to go out in the desert, people just get goofy when they got guns and they're out in the desert. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They do. <laughs> you know. So I'm like, you got to understand that you can't point that at me or the car or the truck or, you know, anything that, and, and I've had some people say, you know, shoot a watermelon and it'll show them what it can do. I'm like, nah, I've had real good luck with that technique, but uh, for some people, I guess. I don't like that too much. Um, teach them respect. And even if they're 12, 13 years old, like you were, um, in my family, they have a healthy respect for the firearms and they know the safety rules and they know how to be safe, but they also know what to do. <clears throat> well, you if have needed. to know what to do. You know, we forget the four safety rules were designed for a combat environment, mm-hmm. whether that be your house or would have been coming out of Korea at the time, you know, and during Vietnam or wherever it's like, th- this is, and that's one thing I always have a pet peeve about. I'll get on my soapbox for a moment. The first rule is don't treat every gun as if it were loaded. The first rule is every gun is loaded. <laughs> and then I read an article the other day. It was an article. It was a book by a well-known instructor. They said, well, that doesn't really mean every gun is always is loaded. It means treat every gun as if it's always loaded. I'm like, no. You distinctly read Cooper, every gun is loaded because an unloaded gun is absolutely worthless. If it's unloaded, put it in the safe. It's, it's a conversation piece, and that's it. Yep. Yep. So I got to get back to something, David. Um, let's get back to a little bit back to what do you carry and why. So you carry oh, your sorry. yeah, that's okay. You carry your your Nighthawk <clears throat> nine millimeter nineteen eleven yep. in a Milt Milt Sparks Summer Special most of the time. 
What kind of belt do you have? I have, it's called a Bigfoot gun belt. Okay. Which is kind of an off name belt. Um, and it, and it, uh, it has a thin piece of metal through it to keep it rigid. And the thing was, is I needed a leather belt in short order and I couldn't wait for Mill Sparks and Mitch Rosin. So I found this one and it was like fairly not cheap, cheap, you know, it's like 80 bucks or something plus shipping, but not like 180 bucks plus, you know, with a six month wait. And I got it and, uh, because I needed a leather belt to go with dress, dress slacks. I'm like, this thing just, it just works. I'm like, I, I mean, it, it doesn't have like the panache or pedigree of some of these big names, but in fact, I just ordered another one in black. Um, I, I have carried the Wilderness Tactical, which I believe you like. That's what I'm wearing right now, yeah. I, I have spent a lot of time with their belts, and they make an excellent product. Fantastic, yes. I, when most people ask for the recommendation. I'm like, Wilderness Tactical 5-stitch, take your pick. Yep, with the Kydex lining inside of it. That's worth that, it as well. Yep. Makes it more rig- rigid. So how well do you conceal your your commander size 1911? Well, I know that the video makes me look like I should be on the cover of GQ, but I'm really a big guy. <laughs> That's so a good one. That's a good I one. Have, I have no problem <laughs> concealing it, but I, I, I will conceal a, a Wilson Beretta Brigadier without much of a problem either. Yeah. So I'm like, uh, if I put a J frame on, it just disappears, you know. Well, you yeah. fit you fit the gun to your style and your size, your lifestyle, and everything else. And I think that's a good idea. You you fit it to what your situation is. Well, yeah, you know, they're tools, and we like some tools better than other tools, but. Um, it's like we were talking about a Glock 19 earlier. I don't hate a Glock 19 by any means. I respect the heck out of them, and I like them. And when I'm going to be all sweaty, that's what I put on because I know my Nighthawk's going to rust and my Glock isn't. Um, when I would spend a lot of time around the border living in Arizona, um, that had 10 plus 1 wasn't real comfortable. Yeah. I, I wanted 15 plus one and two reloads and a rifle in the back seat. you know? So sad you, you that gotta, that's the way it is, but you're right. Oh, my wife didn't understand it. We were driving down a road in the high desert and eight border patrol guys burst out of the desert on quads and went tearing down the road. And they had, they were just looked like, I mean, something out of a sci-fi movie with dripping with weapons and everything. I'm like, see, there's eight of them. They travel in packs of eight. That's why we have a rifle in the backseat. But, um, yeah, no, you you can't get married to one thing and use it at all costs. Um, Do you have a smaller gun that you that you drop down to when you need to? Uh, yeah, I still use the J-frames. Um, I have, I've got a Pro Series, uh, which is a stainless steel 640, kind of the humpback. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I found I can carry that as easily as I can. The airweights, yeah, airweights are good for pocket carry. Um, but if I'm on my belt with inside the waistband, um, that just disappears underneath even a 
decent t-shirt. Yeah. Uh, and, so you're, uh, but you're primarily rocking that Nighthawk nine millimeter. Yeah. Yeah. I, and if I have, I think I mentioned to you in an email, if I, I have a policy and I, and I just had to make it a policy. If I step outside the threshold of my house, I've got a gun in one way or another, whether it's the front door to get a UPS package or the back door to sit in the back on the back patio and smoke a pipe. I'm like, there's going to be a gun. That's a good policy. You know, I've read too many stories of guys like I took the trash out and I got jumped and da 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 da. I'm like, went to get the mail and got jumped. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been attempted to be jumped a few times, not in Texas, but during periods of my life. And I will say I have never fired a shot. Thank God. Me neither. Uh, but the gun, if I hadn't made a habit of carrying a gun, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. Yep. Yeah. Uh, me too. And we're going to wrap this up in a few minutes, David, but fortunately I've never had to press the trigger either. Um, and I hope I never do. And, you know, I love going to the range with these things. I love competition shooting. I like going to training classes. I like teaching people. But I sure hope that it doesn't happen. But I'm just, I'm ready if it is. If it is, I'm ready. And I got a plan. I know what to do. And I'm ready to do it. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm a big believer in, um, you know, there's, there's like a framework of a plan for me is how I consider it. And then every situation is so unique. You need to think and you need to think fast, which is why I talk about the driving the gun, which the gun manipulation, you know, the shot placement is king. We all agree on that, right? Yes. But the marksmanship really isn't such a big deal because no, you're in not. such close quarters, right? So I need the gun to do what I need it to do without thinking about it. And reliably. And reliability. How's the reliability on your gun? How's that? 100% so far. Now, I'll say I probably only have about 3,000 rounds through it. But so far, it's been... And somebody said the other day, how reliable do you need your gun to be? I'm like, well, as reliable as possible. But Well, you got yours, 3,000 rounds, no malfunctions? No malfunctions. Unbelievable. I, I'd say it's good to go. <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah. Well, I carry it, so I think I agree with that. Now, I don't run steel cased ammo through it. Yeah. You know, I try to keep decent. It doesn't have to be top grade stuff. You know, I'm, I'm happy with PMC and, and Maytech and whatnot, and those are actually really good quality practice ammo. Um, and then I try to stick with main name brand uh, defensive ammo. Mm-hmm. But I really think the Wilson mags. The combination of the Wilson Mag and the Nighthawk Craftsmanship, it shows. You know, my my answer to somebody that asked me the question, how reliable does your gun need to be? My question is, how reliable would you want it to be if you needed to save your life? Right. How reliable does your fire extinguisher need to be or your airbag? Exactly. It, they need to be 100%, you know. Yep. If your gun is only 75% reliable and you need to use it, what if you're in that 25% range where it chokes on you? You can't right. afford that. You can't afford no. that to happen. 
No, there is responsibility upon us for carrying semi-automatics. We got to keep them clean. Got to yes. keep them lubed. Yes. You know, and I see people's like, I didn't lube this. I took it out of the box and I shot two thousand rounds. I'm like, why would you do that to a gun? <laughs> yeah. You know, well, at, at least clean and lube it, and then do whatever you're going to do. Be, but yeah, that's yeah, gonna... yeah, lube it first, and uh, you got to have 100 percent reliability. It's the most important thing. I yeah, don't care. I, totally agree. I don't care how accurate your gun is, how pretty it is, what kind of features you have on it. You know. What kind of magazines? I don't care as long as it runs 100% because like you alluded to earlier in this episode, if it goes down and you got to have this, it is, it's the worst day you've ever had. And absolutely. And you need to turn it around, you know? Yes. Um, what if that burglar trying to get into your house was armed? Well, then you 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 would have needed to be prepared at that time. I, yeah, and, and I honestly, looking back, I know exactly what I was thinking. I was like, I had a round in the chamber, and the gun was coming up to my shoulder, and if he wasn't leaving, now I'm not going to say it was justified or right, but he was going to get a round of 12 gauge into the side or to the face, and but just you're you're looking through. Remember, you're looking through a 13 year old eyes now who's trying to get into the house, right? And this is 1980s Arkansas, so. But you know, anybody's going to be freaked out if in that situation. I think almost anybody, your your mind goes to a place that it's not used to going to. Absolutely. And that, you're going to get you're yep. going to get stressed out. Trust me. Well, and you're that's gonna, where. Yeah, you mentioned competition, and I I used to, when my health would allow it, I, I shot a fair amount of competition in Arizona, and um, as people have alluded to all along the line, it's not training, but it is stress inoculation. It is. You get out there in front of like, you know, 75 other guys who are type A, and you got to knock those plates down as fast as possible, see how well you watch that front sight and work that trigger. And when that buzzer goes off. The best plan you've ever had goes out the window. Yes, it does. And that buzzer does something weird to our brains. But I think that's also what's going to happen in a real-life self-defense situation where you got to use your gun. The buzzer's gone off. And your mind is not going to be like it is when you say, hey, let's go to the range, let's punch holes in some paper, let's stand right. here, and let's see how tight our groups can get right now. That's not your thinking when you get attacked. No, and you know, people say competition isn't training. I'm like, Abs absolutely. But you know what? Most classes, we call it training. But what they're doing is they're teaching you what you need to know to go out and train. Training is what you do repetitively. That's kind of how I look at it. And I'm maybe mincing words a little bit, right? Well, you know what I think competition is, David? <clears throat> it's not training, but it is practice. Yeah, I'll give you that. It's practice. It's stress inoculation. And I have always asked people this question. This is what competition helps you learn. What is wrong with learning how to quickly and safely draw your gun and put several rounds on target in the shortest time possible. What's wrong with that? Right. Well, That's what I you learn. And I understand that they're using more no-shoot targets, which I think is a great 
Yes. Thing because makes you think. We're so used to draw the gun, shoot. Yeah. Well, what if I draw the gun and don't have to shoot? Or if what if it's an innocent that is standing between you and somebody about to attack you? Then what happens? Right. What if it's a guy oh, that? A, what if it's a guy yeah. that has a gun, holds a hostage, and he's got the gun to the hostage's head, and you're there? Now what? Yep. You got to think Can about you make that. Make the shot. Can you make the shot? Yeah. <laughs> we Ben Branham and I have taught that we um, it's called the hostage taker drill and we've taught that in our beyond concealed carry classes and I've actually had people say to me when we ask them can you review the class oh great class Bob and Ben you guys did a good job but okay here comes the but that hostage taker drill that was that was freaky that I I, I I wigged out on that. Well, good. I think that's a good thing. Then you did it well. Yeah, because... You guys set it up well. Yeah. I actually worked with a a guy. He was a Vietnam pilot, Vietnam-era pilot. And when he got back to the States, he was working as a convenience store and uh, manager for a series of convenience stores. And he was stocking beer one night. Guy came in, put a knife to the gal's throat that was behind the counter. It was that exact scenario. All he had was the head, and he was a he had been through Tet, so he still carried his 1911 with him. Put a round on the guy's face. He got fired. She lived. Oh well, he got fired. Big deal. So he gets another job. Yep. Yeah. Uh, She lived, and and he he saved the day. He saved her life. That's the most important thing. So uh, if anybody says it's never happened, I'm like, I, I rode with a guy that had, that did it. So Oh, it's happened. It happens. Yeah. Any Anybody that says it doesn't happen, those are the kind of people that are in denial. Yeah, and I would say just about everything has actually happened if you look into it. It pretty much is. Well, David, this was good. I re- really appreciate it. Thank you very much. You know, hey, you thanks spent, for the opportunity. You've spent quite a bit of time with me. I'm looking at the timer. So... I always give my guests the last word. Before we sign off, what do you got to share with people? Get right with God. It Amen. doesn't matter if you win the fight and you lose your lose it in the end. Amen. Oh, what a great way. Good. Folks, David Hansen joined us. Um, I hope that you listen to this maybe even more than once because this was good stuff. And uh, please remember to support this show on, on Patreon and many other ways because... Uh, This is how I can continue to bring you interviews like this. Uh, Review this. If you have a podcast app where you can write reviews, please review this. Um, If you watch this on YouTube, throw a review on there. Don't forget about my Amazon store if you like to do some shopping that way. And uh, last but not least, shoot straight, shoot safe, read your Bible every day, and I'll catch you again on the next episode. David, thank you. Thank you, sir. It's been great. It's been awesome. Take care.